Bradford sets off upfield. He wants a speedster to run onto it. You might be the quickest. Oh, he kicks. He kicks ahead. And now Corey Oates will come. Oh, Oates with the one-handed pickup. How about that? Asako in behind them. He's confused. He didn't know whether to kick or whether to run. He takes the ladder option. Jermaine Asako will score. Broncos fans, and welcome to the Round 6 Review, Round 7 Preview episode of Broncos Weekly. As always, I'm Mitch, I'm joined on the line by our good friend Simo. How are you doing, Simo? Yeah, not too bad. How about yourself? Mate, loving the multiple public holidays, and also loving the Broncos not playing on Thursdays, so my weekends aren't getting ruined yet. That's good. The last <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> nice. That, uh, That's been yeah, nice. That, there's not this sense of impending doom over all of us. So it's... Oh, I, I do have the sense of impending doom still. Don't you worry about that. That's still there, but yeah. I'm, I'm now it's known It's just a few doom. days away. It's a few days away. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Anyway, mate, did you your touch get cancelled like mine? We haven't got any amateur sports to talk about this week. I think we all got cancelled, didn't we? Yeah, both our games... Ours got cancelled for rain. There was about a millimetre of rain, so that got cancelled. And yours got cancelled because some... Soccer goals or something got put yeah. in the middle of the field. Yeah, soccer posts appeared in, in April. <laughs> <laughs> the guys who run our touch comp got down to the sta- the oval, and then there's the soccer posts are there. And it's like, mate, it's soccer season's already started. Like what? And then I still don't know why we couldn't have played, couldn't have figured a way around playing with soccer posts there. But whatever, they cancelled it. It's new Wanderers Stadium, fit all thirteen Wanderers. fans. It is. It is. Oh, well, at least we had Game of Thrones, so which we're getting great feedback. I'm sure the people who hate Game of Thrones weekly will be stoked. That's almost the only good feedback we get for the podcast now. We've got, mate, we've got listeners' wives listening for, for the Game of Thrones <laughs> weekly. Um, yeah, well, the people that hate it, they'll be pleased to know there's like six episodes left, so, yeah. you know. Maybe we'll start going watching from episode one again, just to have some decent content every week. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just transition into a full-on Game of Thrones podcast, nothing will, else. Just so slowly, people won't notice or care, because by, to- by the Broncos are going, mate, we'll have no listeners left who listen for that stuff in the next few months anyway. To be fair, with the number of nights just getting butchered, we'll just sound exactly like an NRL podcast, so, you we know. Will. Okay, anyway, let's move on to talking about the Broncos. So, we've got another great defeat. So, Sunday, last week, the uh, the Canberra Raiders 26 defeated the Broncos 22. Uh, Broncos tries to Cody Nicarima, Dave Fafita, Corey Oates and Jack Bird at the end there. As for the Raiders, tries to Nick Kotrich, a double to Joey Lua, uh, John Bateman and Ryan Sutton. And three from five with the boot for Croker, and three from four with the boot for Osako. In another game that, even though we got ahead at some period in this game, there wasn't a moment of this fixture I thought we were going to win. I don't know about you, but not one second. No, I, not for one second did I think we were going to win. And also, I, for some reason, I just didn't care. Like, I, I, I've said for ages, you know, at different points in different seasons, you're like, oh, I'm over this, like, I'm done. We're not doing anything. Yeah. But then at this point... They scored, and I was like, oh, yeah, of course they scored. That's what other teams do against us. They score tries. Teams <laughs> and with this amazing thing called scoring points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then Cody scored, and it's like, oh, yeah, cool. Like, I just, yeah, 
I was never convinced we are going to do anything in this game. No, at all. It's just, yeah. I mean, the, just the ease in which our defensive line is is now broken. It's, it's just embarrassing. I have no faith at all. Any time the ball crosses like our 30, I'm like, oh, the other team's going to score. Yes, yeah, I mean... They don't. <laughs> you just got BJ pushing half the side away, like out of his way to score a try. It's like, how... Like, I know he's strong, but he shouldn't be able to do that. They only had to play the ball in our, in our 20 13 times in this game to score 26 points. They had 13 tackles in our 20. Remember that game against the Storm where we had... It was like the Great Wall of China game mm-hmm. where we... Imagine <laughs> that game, but with our current defence. How many tries the Storm would score? Oh, yeah. 100%. Like, in this game, you know, it was... From memory, I haven't looked it up exactly, but I think the Raiders scored every time they entered our 20, bar they dropped it twice, and Milford returned one kick. I think they scored every single other time they entered our 20. Yeah, I mean, that's a recipe for success, eh? Yeah, so essentially, every time they held it, they scored. (laughs) It's great. (sighs) But, mate, we had a lot of 19-year-olds. We had so many 19-year-olds. Mate, I tell you what. Seabold could almost be in a Scooby Doo movie. Like he would have got away with it if it wasn't for all these meddling nineteen-year-olds. Eh? Like, <laughs> exactly. We're gonna have uh, to. Uh, I think that was. I think the press conference ended me. I think that was it. I think the game. I was, as you said, you've got that point now. You just don't give a shit anymore for some things. But the, the press conference is what did it for me. It pushed well, me over the edge. I did it after this game, and like I've mentioned this in our group chat, so you've probably seen this and also figured the numbers out yourself. But So usually you want about 13 wins to make the finals, right? Yeah. That's scraping eight. So we need 12 wins in 18 games, except one of them's the Storm, so that's 17 games. Mm-hmm. I just Plus with Origin, um, our next few games are what Sharks, Rabbitohs, Manly, Roosters, and then Warriors in New Zealand. Like, we could legit... Like, we'll probably be 2-9 and nine in that, maybe 3-8, and eight, because it's rugby league, you're going to win some games. But also, like, all of those games I could see as losing and being 1-10 and 10 going into the round 13 game because we got a bye. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's legitimately shocking how bad this is. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I know at some point this will turn around because the squad is too good and eventually they'll change the spine. We know that. But it's like for this season to be turned around now at this point is is near on impossible. I think it's even with the record we've had, we've started one and five. I think one of the last fifteen teams to start at one and five made the finals. You know, and that's even though we've got talent, as you said, we've still got to play the the Storm again. We still have to play the Roosters again. We only get the Knights once. We get the Dogs once as well, I think. Like you know, we get we'll have to play. Cowboys again and Titans twice which like even though they're not the greatest it's another one of those things where it's a derby game and they never go like the form guide does yeah and we go away to New Zealand just before Origin you know as you know we're always great there and then we play them again before Origin's over and I know we might only lose three to four players to Origin this year but we've already seen how we go any time in that period losing a couple of players over the last couple <laughs> losing of years. none of our players um, yeah. how we go yeah, and yeah, as you said, we need to go on a miraculous run to make the finals. Which not saying it's not impossible. It can happen in rugby league, but it's just how bad we're playing now, and the fact we've gone into next week's game with the same lineup pretty much is just like, mate, this this season is a, is now over for for mine after this game. I know it's a bit of a reaction saying that, but it just is. 
yeah, I'm done with this season. I, yeah, I, I don't see anything good happening really out of this season. Even winning most of your games, I, I don't think we'll make finals. Yeah, and and before the game, we had that ridiculous one of the ridiculous comment that I don't think many people have seen, but you shared with me, and it was why Stag started and James Roberts finished the game, and Anthony Seabold literally said he's doing it like Union, you know, I've got a starter and a finisher. And that was like, I was ready to top myself then. It's like, mate, you think you're way smarter than you are. You think you're so smart. Like, the reason why it starters and finishes in Union, mate, is they have an eight-man bench and they have one sub each. <laughs> they can play it off, that's it. I, like, I don't get what reinventing that spot is going to do when, like... If that if there was a huge way like if you could change up and have a starter and finisher and you get a huge amount like percentage better output from the center spot, you don't think one of like any of the coaches ever would have figured that out by now. Like there's a lot of coaches and a lot of football teams that play football. Like yeah. I'm pretty sure having just two centers that play most of the game, they don't have to do like a whole heap compared to other spots. Like yeah, I'm pretty sure they can handle eighty minutes. Yeah, and then Roberts is already starting again this week. So if he's fit enough to start last week, like, I like Katoni Stag. So do you. It's just like, this is another one of those just stupid decisions that made no sense. It's like every single week, the way we use our bench is different. And just like, I know some weeks there is games when you want your coach to alter how they use the bench. But even on the base level, like, his bench rotations are different every week. It's like, does this guy even really have a plan some weeks with some of this stuff? I don't think so. Like, it was, it's the worst sign with a Kevy in Origin, for example, is when he didn't know how to use our bench. I feel like I have the, I have the same thing, feeling with with with, uh, with Seabar at the moment. It's like, why why is Payne Haas playing 80 minutes? He was good, but why is he playing 80 minutes? I mean, I've said this before, but I just think stuffing up your bench is almost unforgivable if you're coaching at this level because, yeah, okay, you could have some injuries and it changes all around then, but if... If, like we didn't have any big injuries three minutes into the game that threw everything out of order like if you are coming into it with your plan that you've had set in place for 10 days that should be a decent plan not a shit plan yeah yeah 100% and it's like if you look at the minutes of some of the pl- some of our players have played in the middle you want it's no wonder why every week we see, it just seems to be different if you, get, you know if you look at Dave Fafita he played 28 minutes in the first round then he played 80 then he played 63 then he played 23 they played 57, then they played 39. It's like, do you have a plan of how to use this guy? No, I don't think no. so. And then you look no. at Jaden Sewer, who was starting game one, which we all know was the wrong decision, but he started game one, played 57 minutes, then he, then he played 42, then 35, then 34, then 22, then 19. But it's just like no consistency. It's like you don't have a, a set plan of using some of these guys. And then you also look at like uh, Tom Flegler, played 10 minutes against the Storm, then played 37 against the Cowboys and was probably our second best player on the field. And then since then, it's like minutes were just gone again. 25, 25, 27, and then 35 again. It's like, mate, have you got any plan of these rotations? Well, Sue has gone from being in the starting side to being out of the side in six, seven weeks or whatever. Yeah. Like, what? there's no way Sue was a starting caliber player in preseason and he's just dropped off a cliff and is now a terrible player six weeks later. Like, that hasn't happened. He's still the same player he was yeah. in the preseason. So yeah. wh- what are you looking at to make him start? And then six weeks later, you, you're you so wrong that you've dropped him completely and you're playing Carrigan instead of him? Like, Yeah, exactly. It's like, mate, as you said, he, pre-season, he didn't even play the full trials and he came out and started round one and we all saw how that went. But as you said, he's even gone from that to out of the side. 
Yeah, it's I just... And, and other than narrative, I'm getting, it's, it's quite funny now. People are coming around on this weird belief that, oh, Seabog got left a shit squad, actually. Like, like, what's going on there? All of the media in the preseason, like, we all know media is usually, you know, they can be fairly wrong or whatever. But every single person had the Broncos in the top four and, like, contending for a premiership. Like, mm-hmm. looking at the squad, Seabog's here, and it's like, well... Even if you go similar to last year where you're like, it's a top eight side, you know, that's that might be where more I had it. Like, that's where we were last year. Nothing's really changed player-wise. Um, but this side is playing nothing like a top eight squad. It's one and five. That's not top eight. That's 14th. Yeah, exactly. And it's like we heard all this stuff about them, though. And it, as we said in the first episode of this podcast this year, we both said it was weird to go into a season where I'm actually more down on the side than the media is because we spent the last few years being predicted to come eighth or ninth or tenth. And we both kept saying, no, it's a better side than that. This is the first year I went into it, and I was like, no, we have those problems at one and seven. We haven't resolved. It's a great team, but it's not a premiership contender. Well, we're not. We're, yeah. we're even further below my expectations of that. But it's just like, mate, this now new narrative that the squad was shit. It's, it's not a shit squad. <laughs> it's just, it's far from it. They're playing terrible football, but you look at them individually, and you, you go through the whole team. I know Boyd, let's avoid Boyd, McCulloch, Nicarima. You look through the rest of it, it's still almost an entire rep team. Well, even those people that are playing terrible, like, were slash are rep players. Yeah. They're not, like, Q-cup players on minimum money. Yeah, 100%. Like, this stuff, it's only come out because we lost. We've lost games. Like, no one was thinking this before the game. It's just revisionist history because we're losing games. If if we were 7-0 and with exactly the same side, nobody would be saying this side's a terrible squad. But, like, people just can't actually rate a squad without being told... Yeah. something by the media like all they're doing is just looking at games and then saying it's, it's you see similar things with like salary cap arguments like teams that win heaps oh they're cheating the cap like mm-hmm. the Roosters get it all the time and then they have that season where they've got a couple injuries and they come 15th nobody all season mentions them being over the cap because they're just losing like there's yeah. actual no thought goes into any of this other than just how many games they're winning or losing yeah 100% and like you, you look at for example you know what's changed over the off season for us is just the coach, pretty much. And then, you know, then you look at Manly and what's changed over their off-season. The coach changed, and oh, and they got worse, actually. They lost... Dylan Walker's gone in terms of his off-field behaviour. He's not playing. And they lost Brian Kelly. So they're starting guys like Brad Parker and Ruben Garrick or whatever. And they look twice the team they were last year. And what changed? You know, it's a coaching. It's people, you know... It's, it's, it's pretty simple sometimes. It's like the attitude of that, and if you look at Manly now, it's a terrible spot on paper. One of the worst on paper, almost flawed on paper. But in pre-season, I picked them to make the eight because I was had confidence in Des turning it around, and he's already built a new attitude there. And the attitude we have at, the, at Brisbane is arrogant to match the arrogance of the coach. We think we're just going to win games without actually putting in. Yeah, we... Like, every side that comes to Suncorp and shows up to play us, like, they're playing a certain team in their minds and we just think we're that team without ever actually reaching that level yeah yeah 100% we do and and I I know like McCulloch we weren't fans many a year ago but I spent yesterday I was looking at like 2016-2017 footage of him and Darius Boyd to make sure I wasn't crazy and said no McCulloch was actually good (laughs) we know Boyd was everyone knows Boyd was good then and he's not doing anything near the same standard he he was doing then I mean he was never 
he never beat teams with you know amazing plays or, or you know anything special. He just executed everything 100%. Like you know a two on two we scored when Boy got one of those. A three on two we scored. You know he, he did diffuse kicks like that's what's changed is the execution of things with Boy. But like McCulloch was actually passing in front of his halves then. <laughs> you know the big change. Oh. But yeah. But I think it's a more thing that's hurting as well. Like, I'm sick of hearing the comparison. Like people say Wayne left him with this and Wayne would have done X or Wayne would have done Y. It's like, are you guys forgetting that Wayne dropped Ben Hunt at one point? Are you forgetting that? Oh. Are you forgetting he moved Boyd from fullback? Like Wayne's dropped almost everybody at one point. Yeah. You know, like... he's He literally like ended Wally Lewis's career at one point. You know, the king yeah. of Queensland, all of that. He was like, nah, you're not good enough. Sacks him. Wins a premiership. Like, Wayne's not afraid of dropping people. He's, he wouldn't be if this... I honestly don't think Darius Boyd would be in the side if Wayne was still here. People are like, oh, you know, Wayne and him are best friends, everything, blah, blah, blah. I don't think Boyd would be in this side playing like this. Boyd was named at centre three games last year. People seem to forget that. He went back to fullback because it didn't work. But they were ready... Even Wayne himself, last year, was ready to make that move. It didn't yeah. happen. Like, people seem to forget that, like act like this whole last stint Wayne was he didn't do any of this kind of stuff but he did like he, he did that for example he he, he benched Thiday how many times but, you know he benched Alex Glenn when Glenn wasn't playing well as well a couple of years ago he, he dropped off Angali out of first grade three years ago and he wasn't performing you know he gave guys like Tom Opacek a chance and they weren't good enough they got cut even just last year again when Nick Rand wasn't performing early in the season he gave Jack Bird a shot at, at seven like, it's just a fa- false narrative. People think, oh, Bennett left him with these guys and, you know, Boyd or Sim- or similar would be just as bad if Bennett was here. It's, no, they wouldn't be. And if they were, they would be dropped. <laughs> or they'd yeah, be moved yep. to move somewhere else. So, even, you know, even at other periods, he'd, he'd benched, um, uh, what's his name, Adam Blair got benched as well. Uh, Herman Essiesi, when he stopped performing, got dropped. Like, it, the whole whole last in of Wayne's, if he didn't perform, he didn't play in first grade. It's just that yeah, simple. Yeah, it's not hard. No, it's pretty easy. Whereas everyone in our team seems like anyone... If you have a reputation, your job is safe now. Anyone, they're all safe. <laughs> and it's like, well, no wonder they're not playing as well. There's no pressure on them, no competition for spots. Like, no wonder they're not playing well. No, but, mate, all that stuff Seabold learned in those three afternoons at Harvard, mate. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. And then in this game, we just got... Like, the Raiders didn't really turn up. <laughs> in this game, like they they had some periods in the first half when they spread the ball, they looked like they were going to score any time they spread it, and they did it for a few few sets there. But then the start of the second half and most of the second half, they were essentially asleep. But in the moment they needed to score again, they scored two qu- quick uh, like quick fire tries in a space of five minutes. And I know one of them was that lucky try that Ryan Sutton scored, which you know I don't think it was a try, but you know whatever. <laughs> That's the referees made that decision, and we let them we let them cross our line so easily again. You know, it's on us. Okay, like, you make your own luck. They're trying hard. That happens. We wouldn't be trying hard enough to actually make, like, get in that position to score something like that. Exactly. Like, we didn't try and stop the guy after he gathered it. We just, we didn't play the whistle. They did. It's simple. And, like, the, yep. John Bateman's try, I mean, it's an, ex- I don't blame Payne Haas because I don't think he should have played 80 minutes, but it's quite clear it was a tired decision from him. But it's just another case when you see McCulloch and Boyd lazy either side, they score. And then the same, the Leilua's second try. The first try, he ran over four guys, and Leilua's going to do that sometimes. His second try, when Bateman offloaded in with between four players. Like, how does this keep happening? We, I mentioned last week in the comp, we concede the most offloads in the competition now. How have we forgotten just to wrap the ball up? 
yeah, it's frustrating. It is. We forget, and you mentioned to me before the podcast, we just can't even do basic things right anymore. And yeah, we'll still talk all week though. Like the talk all week has been, oh no, we're trying too hard. Says Darius Boyd. Alex Glenn says he'll turn. We'll turn it around. Milford said it's not his natural game to, to control, but he's going to have to. Blah blah blah. The halves had a. The spine even had a crisis honesty meeting, mate. Like all this talk, but it's like no one's fucking listening. See what happens in the field. I'm not listening. Just on the spine, I think what they need to do. The whole four of them need to go on some, like, Wizard of Oz-type adventure. Like, Boyd needs to find a heart. Macca's, you know, some decent <laughs> service. Milford needs to find an organising half. And Nico needs to find a number 14 jersey. Like, yeah. that'll fix everything. Uh, I just think, like, what is the most frustrating thing is I could pick any local rugby league club here in town and go watch their reserve grade side and they would have players wrapping up the ball in tackles. Mm-hmm. They would have their fullback wouldn't be just, like, Diffusing a kick and then running 14 metres out the sideline, refusing to slow up. Just all the basic stuff. Like, they'd be doing all of that. They'd be doing proper kick chases, you know? Like, they'd have a solid line down for a kick chase, mm. not three people. Just and But we can't do that. That that Darius Boyd deliberately taking the ball, that thing, might be the, the single most thing that gives me the shits this season. It's done, he's done it three times now, and we only conceded directly off the back of one of them. But it's just like, what? What do you think you're doing? Like, I don't get the headspace at all about what, how that is. Any world of rugby league, that is a good decision. Well, like you said before, it's not a thing to it's do not, that. Like, it's not a thing. like, if you try to slow up, worst case scenario, you get tackled out, right, and they get a scrum, mm-hmm. which is exactly the same situation as you just running the ball out. So, like, why not try to stay in? At least try, like. You're not going to end up in a worse situation for trying to stay in. Mm-hmm. And then, like, running it out into touch, conceding a 10-metre scrum with our defence. It's not the 2010 Dragons, mate. We're not, the, we're, not, we're not even the 2015 Broncos. The defence is not good enough to do that. And you're willingly putting that pressure on us. And obviously, we crack almost every time. It's just, what are you doing? I'd rather see him throw it, like, catch it and throw it dead from 10 metres out. Because at least you kick a drop out and get him, but he's conceding a, a, a ten meter scrum on purpose, and he's done it three times, and every time I'm ready to lose my mind. It's like he makes it look like it's impossible for him to stop, and if it is impossible for him to stop, he shouldn't be playing first grade. Yeah, exactly. Like, you've got studs on. I mean, again, go, anyone on listening to the thing, if you want to see a hard is to stop running with studs on, go down to the park, do the same thing he's doing, and realize it actually isn't that hard to run one direction right. and plant your studs in the ground and stop running. He's literally wearing shoes scientifically designed to stop movement. Yeah. Like, that's what those shoes are for. And if your Achilles and your hamstrings can't do that, then that you're just not up to first grade anymore. Yeah. Especially not playing fullback at first grade. Like, I feel like if I played the Broncos, all I'd be doing, the whole game, the whole kicking game the entire game was that if the back three's back, put a bomb between them, because Boyd will come over and they'll, look, they'll both stare at each other and no one will want to catch it. That's my first thing, if I, have to, if I have to bomb. Second thing is I'll kick early on fourth, kick towards the sideline, and then hope I get Dar- catch Darius out. Because that, that, works, that works a treat. He just, he'll give you the setback. You don't even have to kick a 40-20 like, like Jack White did. Darius will give you possession if you kick it towards the sideline. <laughs> yeah, and then off the back of that set, I'm just running at Nicarima three times. Yeah, you are. And I, th- I think what frustrates me in this game, as I said, the press conference broke me, was the fact that we then, uh, when this game finished, the excuses we put out was that we blamed the 19-year-olds. It's just like, Yeah, how? the three players playing good in this side. Yeah, uh, the game, Seabold's like, oh, mate, we finished the game with three 19-year-olds in the middle. And I said, well, firstly, you put them out there. 
So if you put them out, you think they're good enough. That's your that's your responsibility, mate. You put them out there. You could have played Fensum if you didn't back the inexperience in, you know. But you put those three nineteens right out there. And secondly, if I looked at the game on that game again, you know, three of our best players, well, two of them were probably Payne Haas and David Fafita. Yeah. It's a cop out. It's like no one's no one in that press conference. No fans either are coming to you and saying, "What's wrong with a nineteen-year-old? They're shit." No one's asking that question. No one's blaming them, but the club. Like, we want to know what's going on with the spine. What's going on with Darius Boyd? You know, why why isn't his team performing? We don't want to know why the nineteen-year-olds aren't experienced yet. We know what's going to come. they'll get better as they get more experience. No one's asking that question. You know, it's maybe this will all turn around, and then this is going to be a really dumb comment. But yeah. I'd take Anthony Griffin over this Seabold right now, mate. It's but it's it's the first time I feel like he's in charge again, though. Like we're so boring again. We have four four tackles and a kick, or five hit ups and a kick, half our sets. I mean, there was that one set well, six minutes to go in this game, and we literally did five hit ups, one out hit ups, and a, a bomb with five minutes to go. And that's just what our game plan is. They've been drilled into those players. And it's like, we had all preseason, we had Seabold talk about how he was going to, you know, get the team shifting more. And he was going to get us better in the play of the ball. And of one of the things he's actually said, we have got the second fastest play of the ball speed in the comp, and we do allow the fourth slowest. But it doesn't fucking mean anything, mate, with how bad we're playing. Nah, it doesn't. No. Yeah. And we've also, by the way, we've only used, we used 21 players, and that's, there's only three teams who have used uh, less players than us, which already shows like all the excuses of, oh, we've missed so many players as well. We haven't really missed that many. We've only used 21 well, that, players. That was the other thing that annoyed me, is he's, talking, he's bashing all his 19-year-olds, mm. but then his next line is like, oh, we haven't had our full team because we missed Payne Haas for the first four weeks of the season. It's like, mate, are you listening to yourself? Yeah, and then that, full, and that full team, mate, you started Silver on the right edge, and you started Gillette Lock. You did that. <laughs> and I have no doubt that this team will probably jag some games over the coming weeks now they have Pangai and Lodge back but I just I'm not I'm not happy to be in a space that we rely on two guys to bring effort and enthusiasm so much and that's what we do like Pangai does some silly things sometimes when, when, he, when he's over enthusiastic but at least he's enthusiastic yeah at least he tries yeah yeah, that press conference has killed me. And then knowing that, even again, we'll talk about this next week's game just in a moment, but we're going in with the same team again. I have little faith, and it does very much. You mentioned Anthony Griffin, but it feels so much like that. The halves thing feels so much like in 2013 when um, when Griffin refused refused to use uh, Ben Hunt until the season was over. It feels uh, just I like mean, that. Scott Prince is still running around playing like under 50s touch or over 50s touch in Malaysia or something. I'm sure we could pull him back in. <laughs> exactly, and that was like that was it. That year, that like I was already off Griffin, but in 2013, when that before that season started, when we recruited Scott Prince to not play play Peter, uh, sorry, not play Ben Hunt, is when I went off him completely. And then only when the season was finally over in that middle of that year did he finally give Ben Hunt a chance. Round 20 it took till. And we yeah, because it was like 98 games or something. Ben Hunt played off the bench as a utility. Yeah. Yeah, good one, mate. Yeah, it was great. It was great. And I mean, that season what we finished, we, we won, we won ten games. You know, we ten, well, we won ten, uh, lost thirteen, and drew one. But we won since Ben Hunt started starting. We won four. We won four of our last six. Sorry, last seven with him starting and drew one. But that, that, you know, before Ben Hunt went into the side that year, we we that we won one of the last seven games. But that's it. It feels like I'm in the same spot now. I feel like we're at a spot that we're going to make a change to our spine when it's too late. 
just on um on Ben Hunt while we're here. Yeah. You know how after the Dragons game and then there's been I've I don't know how many you've seen. I've seen quite a few of oh we should never let him go. Ben Hunt was better than Milford and Nicarima, blah blah. I went on um I'm inside like every single different fan Facebook group for different teams. Yeah. And so I like clicked in the St George one and the top post is like Ben Hunt's the worst player we've ever bought, blah 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 and people just bashing him. And it's like see like the grass is green when you see Ben Hunt play us in his revenge game once a year. Like, the grass is pretty green then, but the rest of the time he's still the same player. Yeah. Oh, he had a he had a Barney today. We just we were recording after the Anzac first Anzac game, and Ben, ben Hunt might dropped the ball three times. Oh, he had a Barry Crocker. And then, yeah, then he got pulled off. But like, yeah, I'm never I'm not going back to that one. Letting Ben Hunt go, I still back the the, 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 the for the cost and the length of that contract. It was the right decision. We had to stick with one of them. The, what happened after that was wrong, obviously, but. Going through what we're going through now, it just feels even more wrong. I'm like, we're going to go to Tom Dearden next. It feels like, and probably if we lose this week, he probably plays next week, which is already too late. But it's like, why did we not? Why do we sign Sean O'Sullivan if he's not? <laughs> I don't get it. What happened to um, Troy Dargan? He's in reserve grade still. I think we've moved past him, but I'm fine with that. But it's like Sean O'Sullivan's a little older. Everyone else has like 18. O'Sullivan's got a bit of cup experience. You know, he's got, um, he was in the New South Wales residence team last year as well, that level. So he's been doing well in cup before that. And it's just like, we signed this guy who had a good game in first grade last year, right? And we just never, he's never going to get a shot. Yeah, I, I don't really get why you signed him, but. Yeah, if you're going to throw an 18 year old straight in, what was ever point of signing Sean O'Sullivan? Oh, well, let's move on from this dreadful game and talk about the next dreadful game, hey? <laughs> yep. Do we want to um, talk about no any match thoughts in that game? I don't think so. Nah, we'll talk about match thoughts. Winners get match thoughts. There, there you go. And there's no news this week. Obviously, all it's been is excuse city, so we're not doing that either. Anyway, on to the next game. It's uh, the Brisbane Broncos take on the Cronulla Sutherland Sharks, 7.30 at Suncorp Stadium uh, on a Saturday. One of the very rare Broncos Saturday games, but aren't we lucky to get that? Anyway, the record between the two teams is actually a lot closer than you'd think because we've both Super League teams too. But anyway, it's it's played um, 30... Sorry, we've played 38 against them, and we are... 38, we've won 23, and they've won 15. So a little closer than you'd think, but... Yeah. That's, wait, no. I've really bottled that. I've just done this post-Super League history. My bad. <laughs> but uh, a, full, a full history against them is 58 games, sorry. 36 wins, 20 losses, 2 draws. Yeah, it's a bit better. Actually, no, no draws. God, that's wrong as well. Maybe move on. Move We've got a lot, move a lot of wins. They've got less wins. Yeah, that's um, yeah. 36 to 20. <laughs> Rightio. For the Broncos, at fullback is the same old person. Uh, on the left, we've got Corey Oates and Jack Bird. Over on the right, James Roberts and Jermaine Asako. Uh, the halves, Milford, Nicarima. Front rowers, Offa Hengawi and Payne Haas with McCulloch, the hooker. Alex Glenn, Matchelet, second row. Tafita Pengai Jr. comes back in at lock. Interchange of Katoni Staggs, David Fafita, Thomas Flegler, and Patrick Carrigan. And the reserves, uh, Matt Lodge will be, I guess he'll come into the start, he'll come into the side, and then Shibasaki, I guess. Yeah, we're going to have... those two will be the final two in the reserves. Yeah, we've heard Tom Dearden's dropping off already, and Sua likely as well, so, yeah. Pete Bedell reported Tom Dearden's dropping out of the 21. Anyway, I'll do the uh, Sharks line-up, so... William Kennelly is a fullback for the injured Matt Moylan. Uh, on the left wing, you've got Sasai Fecky with Josh Morris at left centre. On the right-hand side, Bronson Cherry and uh, Josh Dugan on the wing. In the halves, you've got Chad Townsend and Sean Johnson. 
Uh, the front rows, Andrew Vafita and Matt Pryor with Jaden Braley at hooker. Uh, you've got on the left edge for... Sorry, Kurt Capewell's on the left edge. On the right edge, you've got Scott Sorensen with Brighton Nakora out suspended with Paul Gallon at lock. Uh, the bench, Blake Braley, Jason Bakuya, Jack Williams, Braden Hamlin, Ueli, and the reserves, Ronaldo, Mulitalo, uh, Kyle Flanagan, uh, Sione Katoa, who's now Sai Katoa, and then Billy Magulis. Magulius. But, uh, you know, this is one of the funny things. I talked all this shit about how bad we are. This is the first game, and I actually penciled this in like three weeks ago. I'm like, we can win this game. <laughs> this is the first time in a few weeks I thought, we're pretty good. We're a chance here. No, I'm the opposite, eh? I, like... This is the one I'm most down on. I just the sharks are just gonna play shark football mm. for eighty minutes, and we can only play like seventeen minutes of football. <laughs> I don't know. They, they'll just play their like grindy rubbish football, drag you down to their level, and beat you with experience football. Yeah, yeah. Look, that's a that's a valid uh, assessment, but it's just like. They're just not as good without Flanagan as the coach. There's a reason why they put up with Flanagan's bullshit for so many years off the field because he actually was a quality coach. And a lot of their structures rely on on Matt Moylan in there. And whilst I don't rate Matt Moylan, it's you know when you when you base your whole structure kind of like us, how they we base everything about Darius Boyd, but he's shit house. But you know they base all their structures around Matt Moylan having that you know that third man out the back play. Like without him, that's a big loss. And then Brighton Nakora has been where a lot of their good stuff's coming this year as well from him hitting those those really hard unders lines. I think that's a big out for them. And I'm not saying we're going to win this game because I'm not very confident in us at all currently. But you know we've got Pangai back in, Lodge back in, same old spine. But with those two guys back in against the Sharks team that hasn't really been on fire, I think we're, we're a pretty red hot chance. I can't believe we're a dollar sixty though. With a with a bet with the bookies, it has um another counterpoint. Mm. You just know the game's going to be like sixteen fourteen with four minutes to go, and Sean Johnson's going to pull out some like steppy all over the place dummy to nobody try and score under the sticks. Well, yeah, with how bad we are at defending any form of broken play now, we used to be the best scramble team alive. Hey, like we used to be, but and now we'd still pull those off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But now it's like, mate, we got. Nobody seems to chase when, when that someone, another team makes a break. Darius Boy gets left alone and falls on the ground. It's like, you're right, there might be an occasion where Sean Johnson will step through like seven people just watching him run, even with his like half-done quad and hammy he's got on him currently. Uh, it's just depressing thinking, really. It is. But it It is, but that's just where we are currently. Until in, in, until you see it on the field, we've seen seven games, so six games of this crap. Why, why would your opinion change until you see it again? It's something different. Yeah, that's the thing. And even one game's not going to change my opinion for me. Like, it would have to take... Like, say, the five games I mentioned earlier up to the bye in round 12, it's going to take three wins and, like, five decent performances before I'd even start changing my mind. Yeah, 100%. Like, we just haven't... haven't turned the page in any way that, you know, people thought we would. And the excuses of, like, getting adapting to to Seabold football, which, you know, South did last year, just hasn't... Hasn't come to fruition. We haven't. We don't seem to have any plan when we've got the ball. But yeah, until I start seeing us actually, you know, get on top of teams for, for you know for long stretches and actually do something with the ball in hand, until I see that is when I'll get confident. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We've also, by the way, we've um we've had the least play the balls in opposition twenty all year as well. By the way, that's good. We can't even get down that side. We're actually not too bad when we get into the twenty to score points. Surprisingly, but we're the worst at getting there. Even just. Watching our team though, it just is so slow. Just everything looks like they're running through treacle. 
Yeah, and, and it shouldn't look like that because we should be athletic and quick because the team is full of athletic and quick people. <laughs> but everything, as you said, everything looks slow. You know, you t like I looked at it, I'm shocked he learned we have the second fastest player the ball in the competition. But you, you watch us play and it doesn't look like it. Or it just slows down when the ball hits Mac's hands or something after after the quick play of the ball. I, mean, I think that definitely is a huge key to it being a slow play. Like, he throws the ball and it's behind the half or the first receiver. Yeah. That just slows them down. By the time they catch it, turn back around, the defence is up in their face and they throw another ball. And Like, there's nobody actually moving quickly at that point and the defence mm. is too close to them and it's just... Oh, man, I watch some other teams' hookers and I just, like, I just sit there jealous of, like... Anything... Literally, like, Victor Radley, the, not even the hooker for the Roosters. Like, their backup, not hooker, has never played there, really. And yet yeah. he just fills in, and I'm jealous of him. Yep. Oh, yeah, 100%. It's like when I was saying the other week, I was jealous of just teams putting in basic effort. Like, oh, that's yeah, the Titans. Are now. Jealous of, like, manly players backing up through the middle of the field and scoring tries. Like, how far have we come that I'm jealous of, like, half the Titans players and what they do? Yeah, exactly right. How far have we fallen? Another win for them last week that was just pure effort. Missing like half their... All their good players are out and they won. <laughs> I know it's the Knights, but still. But anyway, um, I do have this feeling, and I don't know how true it is, but I have this feeling that McCulloch's been asked to do too much, if you get me. Being asked to actually play make or, or be creative and, and, you know, and, and, and do that kind of stuff, and, you know, out of dummy half, and his brain can't handle it. <laughs> That's my assessment currently. Yeah, he's like a Windows 95 computer and you like click on four things at the same time and it's just like uh, shutting down. It's just yeah. like there's, no, there's nothing back there. Like you just, if it's not tackling, he can't do it. Yeah, whereas his previous role was pretty much like, you know, we'll just do the usual hit-ups, whatever, whatever, but then get the ball as fast as possible to the halves. Give the ball to the halves and we'll see what happens from there. But uh, yeah, apparently... This year, he seems to have been, uh, in my opinion, and I might be wrong, but asked to, have done, to do too much with the ball in hand because he's actually running a bit more too, and like it does anything. No one's really that scared of McCulloch running the ball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, no, no one he, is. And he wasn't actually the worst last week. There was two occasions he actually put the ball in front of in front of the halves, and we were in the other, other twenty, and we scored both times. Like the, uh, when Milford got the ball early on both occasions, one was the kick to Oates, the other one was the Nicarima try, and we scored the next play after it with the with the Nicarima one. But yeah, that was like, oh, when McCulloch actually puts it in front of the halves, what a shock! They get to run onto the ball and things happen. But like, man, his his form's been dreadful. But I still, I think I'm at the point now. Like, I was at one point like we need a like last year, all last year that we need a halfback for us to, for me to be happy. Now this is like we need a halfback, we need a fullback, and then we need to also make sure McCulloch isn't playing eighty. It's such a, so many things we need to do for me to be happy. Yeah, it's it seemed like the last... I don't know, it always seems like a lot of teams I supported like this, but it seemed like, oh, you know, we're just one player away. Like, if we had this one player, it would be a complete side, it would be perfect. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, we're like four of the most key players in the team away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the ones we have, we're currently paying a lot of money, so that's nice as well. <laughs> yeah, so even if they go somewhere else, we'll still be paying half theirs. Yeah, exactly right. It's just a great spot to be in, mate. It just I love it. <laughs> See, this is why I wouldn't be I wouldn't be opposed to Gus coming up here and you know taking over Paul White's spot because he'd be, he'd send those players off somewhere and he'd get full money for them. Like <laughs> he'd turn them down to the Gold Coast. <laughs> man, he, he that's what he's good at doing. So you know. Yeah. <laughs>
But yeah, it's just um, I just don't know what to say with this team anymore. Hey, I know we've all been here, but it's like I want to, you know, I don't even know if I want to win. That's how bad it's got. And I never really like being in that spot with my team, but I'm not even sure I want to win games at the moment. Yeah, it's just gonna paper over cracks. Exactly. It's like I, I want to, because if we, if we say if we win a couple of games and go on a run here the rest of the season or something and make the finals, or almost make the finals, and everyone stays fit, it's like well next year we're rolling out the same thing then. You know, we're still going to roll out this, the same spine if we, if we just start winning games by, by fluke now. Imagine if we had three years in a row where our starting spine is Boyd, Milford, Nicarima and McCulloch. <laughs> yeah, kill me. Yeah. And, mate, it's just... Um, it was good to see, though, I did see Milford say today that the forwards are doing their job. It's been really weird. I've seen some fans, and it's like, it's like a default thing to blame forward packs when you lose games. Our forwards have been good, and Seabold's blamed them too, but it's like they... They were good enough against the Raiders this week. They dominated the Tigers. Yes, they got out. I think I believe they got, obviously got outplayed by the Roosters, but I think that was on the back of, you know, they didn't really have an opportunity in that game to get into it as the pack. Got outdone by the Dragons, but, you know, they've been pretty much in or muscled up at most of our games by two of them. Well, and we're blaming I was thinking the about this too, and, like, but as far as, like, how we're playing in general in this season, the first two weeks I thought we played... Well, like against the Storm, I thought we played pretty good. We obviously like conceded a few tries at the end, but we were in there with like what sixteen minutes to go. Yeah, and we could just conceded some usual shit we do against the Storm. Hey, we conceded that uh, that the, obviously that the brilliant Jesse Bromwich try, but also the Kenny Bromwich ones, where they found that gap between uh, Nikarima and his inside man being, I think, Fafita or Sewer at that uh, at that point. Yeah. Yeah, but so that was just, you know, classic Broncos versus Storm. And then we played well against the Cowboys, like beat them. Like, if we play how we did against the Cowboys in all the next four weeks, we we win three of those games. We Maybe we don't, you know, don't beat the Roosters. But I mean, that, that level versus the Cowboys was like four steps up the Golden Point games and the Raiders game. Exactly. We played well enough in those first two games that, you know, Corey Oates continued his try-scoring streak. Our left-hand side still looked, looked, you know, looked effective on that left edge. And as you say, like, we, we rolled over the Cowboys, and the Storm was just like, in terms of our Storm losses, because that whole first half was against us. I remember coming on this podcast after it and going, in terms of Storm losses, I'm actually stoked we only lost by 10. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it's just uh. fallen so quickly. It's almost like those two games are like they still had some of the Wayne Bennett effect left on them. And I've shook that off completely since it just gone to shit. Yeah. No, oh, well. it is what yeah. it is, hey? It is what it is. And I think, you know, obviously getting Pangai back in my life will do some good things for my mental health. So he's back this week. So we might feel good about that. And I do think, you know, the reason why we're red hot crack of winning this game is that I do think that, you know, Pangai will fire up against Fafita as he does. He takes Fafita like he does with, um, he does with Tamalolo. And if you remember the last time we played the Sharks, he scored that that, that uh, charge down try, but he also smashed a feeder about 17 times. He started running sideways and hiding out on the edge, if you remember. So I do feel like we're going to have that thing where we're going to like follow Pangai. And maybe and Lodge is pretty good because he's Fafita's his mate as well against Fafita. They both smashed him out last time. I do feel like those two guys are going to make the difference. And as you said, that's am I, am I happy by that, though? Because it's just going to paper over all the shit if we win this game. Oh, and then we'll get four more weeks of like, oh, TPJ's just inconsistent. He can't do that every week. Yeah. Oh, my God. Shoot me with that. I'm now seeing Broncos. I don't know who you are, people, but some, some of your Broncos fans in some forums saying we should let Pangai go because he's inconsistent. I'm coming for your families. <laughs> <laughs> 
Isn't uh, that the worst take? Out of all the players, you should just let go. Yeah, let him go. How about the people who are never good? How about we let those ones go? <laughs> yeah, at least we might as well keep the players that are good every second week. Just yeah, let's let the Jaden Sewers of the world go that have been good three times in their life. Oh, that's just—I know he's coming to this season injured, but that's just looking worse and worse and worse by the week, isn't it? Like the resigning. No, oh, I mean what a shock though. As soon as like Wayne Bennett's not in charge of stuff, people are giving Boyd five-year deals. And yeah, and giving Sewer a deals and with like <laughs> Sewer that deal with no intent of like playing when the team's. One to seventeen, like a full strength team. Now he just he's not going to play. <laughs> yeah, you've given somebody a, a deal that big, and he's not in your best seventeen players. Yep, and he's also twenty two this year. So what? He's a twenty two year old forward, and you're still not cracking your team. You're like, oh, next year maybe. Next year, if we let Glenn go, he might be the bench back rower because Fafita will start. We and we paid him to keep him. That's smart. That's great management. Mate, bench back rower. That's who you want to pay big bucks to. That is. Oh, well. But anyway, I, I, suppose, I do think we might win this game. And I don't think the Sharks are as good as they are, but I do also think there is a great... A, a, definitely there's a world out there, as you say, where it's going to be like 16-14 with 10 to go. Sean Johnson scores some stupid try, then we spend the last like seven minutes chasing the game with some of our usual rubbish. <laughs> and then Nicarima grubbers it dead on the third. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, man. And Oh, no. no. You know you know what's going to happen? It's going to be he'll score a try when it doesn't matter again. <laughs> <laughs> play the week after, but yeah, it's one of those things, mate. Like nothing. If we win this week, nothing will change. So, as yeah. a fan base, we want to win this week. I don't know. I mean, I I do want to contribute to Gallon's loss record. I do, so. but it's like I know if we lose, our season's probably over. But I think it's over anyway if it stays exactly the same because we play this, we play South the week after, and no doubt the the Broncos versus South record thing's about to end because Wayne's gone. <laughs> Yeah, but Wayne's real bad against his former sides, eh? He is. He is, but I don't know. It's just one of those things, like... And as you said, mate, I don't, not, the run we've got, I'm not confident anyway. As you said, we go from hosting the Sharks this week to then playing on a Thursday again at ANZ to uh, then we play Friday against the Seagulls at Suncorp. And, you know, the Seagulls, no easy beats now. And then we play the Roosters at Suncorp. Then we play away at the Warriors. It's like, do I want to win this game and then run out Darius Boyd in round 10 against the Roosters? That full no. Uh, it's just depressing. Yeah. Oh, well, should we get on to, to Game of Thrones Weekly so we can enjoy something? Uh, we got some questions. Questions? And oh, stuff. We got questions. I'm sorry, my bad, fans. The people are still listening. I'm trying to skip out on you. <laughs> You're just keen to get the Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, from William, he said, just hoping for a win this weekend. Thumbs up, never say die. Go Broncos. Well, we just talked for 10 minutes about how we don't want to win. Yeah. Um,. Paul was asking about Gus Gould coming to the Broncos, but no, probably no. not going to happen. It would never happen. Now, the guys in charge of that club wouldn't wouldn't succumb control, but I also can't... St- I hate Gus. Um, Andrew and Jackson have both asked similar questions here, just about Dearden. Um, is he a thing? <laughs> um, Andrew said he hasn't seen much Q-Cup this year, but he seems a bit small. Oh, mate, look... He's obviously he's just a little small, but mate, what, I mean, with our current spine, are we are we complaining about that? that? I have yeah. watched, I've watched, so I've watched like every Bearden game or bits of it. And I'm impressed by his talent, but I don't want to put him in there saying he's going to come in and solve our issues. But you know, 
I'd, I'd like to. I want. I'm at the point. I want to see someone else and be that Dearden or be that. I want O'Sullivan personally. I think patience Dearden's a good thing, but I do think we'll probably see Tom Dearden in the next three or four weeks. I think that's just going to happen. That'll be something that happens. Next time we lose, he might come in. He's not that small, by the way, though. He's like 80 something kilos and he's 178 centimeters. That ain't that small. Like for a half, I mean, you know what's Cody stand out? I mean, whatever Cody's height's on the internet, probably take 10 centimeters off of it. Yeah, apparently he's 174 on according to the Broncos. I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> but yeah, but 178 for for Dearden. What's that? It's the same height as Cooper Cronk, for example. Like that's not that small for a half. He just hasn't filled out. You know, hasn't hasn't bulked up. But you know, it's um, I'm, I'm I don't I'm not worried about his defense, mate. Our defense is cooked. <laughs> like at that point, I'm not worried. I want someone to come in at least. We can start scoring some points again. You know, direct the attack around and kick to some corners and and just be just do the easiest thing ever, which is just point and, and tell players where to go. I just want someone like that to actually lead the team around the park. Yeah, same. Yeah. Uh, David he says, I'm glad there's now pressure on the halves by promoting Dean and let's hope they respond. If they don't, uh, it should be Cody to the bench. Um, yeah. Uh, from someone here named Jay, who looks very much like a Raiders fan, mm. <laughs> he said, uh, "Who is the best Raiders junior currently playing five eight in the competition?" <laughs> well, it's not Jack White, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, from I can't even pronounce this name. Kuatasani uh, is Wolverine in the next Avengers. I, this well, is all you. I don't. Well, do no, movies, so. he's not. He's he's not. <laughs> <laughs> like they don't own the rights to Wolverine at, at a Marvel. Like um, you know, Disney don't. They they sold those rights off. From uh, Jamie here he said, "I've worked out what has changed and why the Broncos are playing so bad compared to last year. The NRL has had a crackdown on the amount of time trainers can be on the field. Alfie isn't out there barking at where to effing stand." I mean, where did that weird myth that had a crackdown on trainers? I haven't had a crackdown on trainers. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where that's come from. Uh, from yeah. Cameron, he said, Spurs or Nuggets to advance? Oh, that's a good series. I think I did say the other day, I think the last week we got asked this question, I did say um, it might I might feel like it might be the Spurs because of the, the, the experience, but the Nuggets have really lifted the, la- the last two games. They've won the last two. Um, I'll say the Nuggets. I'll do it now. I mean, it's I an easy call. Now up three two. Like oh, that's not a not a big call. In true like bandwagon fan who doesn't know anything about the NBA, I'm very close to buying a Dame Lillard jersey. Oh mate, why not? Great time to get on. He's a guy who has. He's one of those players that deserves plaudits for a long time and didn't really get them. And I'm glad he's finally getting some recognition. So he jump on. No, I've like full credit to my younger brother. He like five years ago was a Lillard fan and bought like Trailblazers jerseys mm. and stuff. And it's like, man, that's all paid off for you now. But, yeah, well, yeah. he had, like, his what, best what individual shot. season, like, two years ago and got snubbed. He didn't make the All-Star team, you know? It's like he had better numbers then than he has now, but he didn't make the All-Star team. So he's always had a chip on his shoulder since, and, yeah. Just there's like a man I could, bit better. Yeah, there's a man I could back to have the ball with a minute to go for the Broncos, mate. Dame Willard, <laughs> he'd have a snap. I just love, like, how confident he was that he's like, I'm just going to dribble the ball back here and just kill the whole clock. I mean... I guess he had the safety net of, like, if he missed, it's going to overtime. Like, it's not... Yeah. He's not going to lose if he misses. Um, yeah. But still, just dribbling back there, just shoot from that far away. Just... What a boss. Well, I'll read you a quote from him about pressure. So I'll read you this quote, and it, it helps define why, for him, he's so good in his moments. But he says, Pressure. Nah, fam. This is just playing ball. 
Pressure is the homeless man who doesn't know where his next meal is coming from. Pressure is a single mum who's trying to scuffle and pay her rent. We get paid a lot of money to play our game. We don't, don't get me wrong, there are challenges. But to call it an in, pressure is almost an insult to regular people. So anyway, what I'm saying is he doesn't... I'm not saying he's right or wrong, but the fact is him saying things like that shows he doesn't feel pressure. That's why he's the man. Like, he doesn't think that's pressure, you know, having the ball with a minute to go. He's like, fuck it, I'm just playing basketball. Whereas you've got guys like Ben Hunt with, like, 20 minutes to go on the score's level. You see him cracking on field. Oh, they're <laughs> just terrified of the football. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that's a good quote from Dame. Just that said, he wants the ball in those moments. Get him get him out, mate. Get him over here. Cut his salary to pay him a 30th of what he's getting paid over there. Get him at fullback for the Broncos, mate. <laughs> to play to play a full contact sport, which, like, potential much worse injuries yeah. than the NBA. That's exactly right. The funny thing is about NBA players, too, because, you know, he looks small because he's a point guard, but he'd come here and he'd be, like, one of the biggest guys on the field. <laughs> oh, yeah, because everybody else on the court is eight and a half foot tall. <laughs> yeah. So he'd come here and he'd be, he'd be an absolute giant. <laughs> um from Jerry said do you think it'd be Milford or Nico who gets dropped for Din oh definitely Nico there's no way the club would drop Milford doesn't matter what fans think because they see Nico Rima have like that one good run a week there's no they're not dropping Milford for, for Dearden <laughs> um, from Neil he said who thought Anthony Seabold was a good idea was it just job for a mate should those responsible be held accountable just like Phil Gould's stuff up at Penrith replacing Griffin well Gould what it was stuff up was Gould went to the board with with Wayne and they chose Cleary right that's what happened there like Gould was like let's go with Wayne which is like all time move from Gould to finally like you know sit down and admit that Wayne's the goat and once Wayne there finally you know finally goes there crawling his knees to Wayne and then goes to the board and they're like no we want Cleary so he he actually made the right call for Gus for once but uh the guys who picked Seabold I mean we, me and Newsimo, how many times, how much shit did we cop last year sticking by Wayne and shit we got from everybody arguing on the internet that Wayne was the guy and Seabold wasn't, Seabold wasn't against him, but it's like, I'm not punting Wayne for him. You know, I don't know if, if hiring Seabold deserves to get punted, but I think giving him a five-year deal is probably a decision that deserves someone to, someone to lose their job. Yeah, I mean, five years is ridiculous. We've talked about that too. Yeah, yeah. he's proven nothing. This is also, like, he was wanting to come to the Broncos. He was obviously, as we saw, he would do literally anything to do it. Mate, give him two years, and he's going to take that job, and he's not going to go somewhere else. Like, he wants mm-hmm. to be here. Yeah. Oh, and, mate. and then if he does a great job in that first year, yeah, extend, you know, start extension talk straight away then after the first year. Yeah. Oh, mate, don't start me, by the way. You just mentioned then. He's, his buddy lawyer, he shot at fans... That's that really got me in that press conference too. Having a shot at those for calling us disloyal for not being happy with results. I mean, what do you, what do you, who do you think you are, mate? Like you this, calling out loyalty. This is the same bloke who spent all of his last season at a club last year, knifing that club and, and his own staff in the back to come coach at ours, talking about loyalty. Yeah, he literally. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's a snake. Yeah, like he jumped clubs. Like he's he's been he's been at like four like like four clubs in the last six years. And he's talking about loyalty. Like turn it up, man. It's like, you know, we've had tough periods, and I don't think I've ever ever had Wayne have a go, heard Wayne or even other quality coaches have a go at the fans. No. You know, Wayne's one of those guys that generally say the fans have a, have a right to feel upset by bad results, which is the truth. And he'll tell you he's going to turn it around, but Seabold's telling us to just be loyal, stick it. I saw somebody had a thread on this on Twitter, and you probably saw it too. I forget yeah. their name, um, you know. And they was they were talking about loyalty and like, 
they'd been season ticket members for over 20 years, like, you know, stuck mm. by the club. Obviously, like, we've been pretty successful club, so it's not a hard team to follow, but still, that's a lot of time, a lot of money put into a club. You can't just turn around and say to those people, and, like, there's obviously people that have been season ticket longer than that, you know, since inception and all that. You can't just be like, oh, yeah, you guys aren't loyal because you're thinking I'm doing something wrong. Yeah, questioning. Like, that's not what loyalty is. It's not, mate. It's I'm still loyal to the club. I still, you know, it's, I've gone to their games. It, almost every game they played in New South Wales for the last like 15 years, I've been there. I've paid money to go watch support that club. I do this because I love the club every week, and you know, I'm, ha- I'm, I'm, I'm we're allowed to be upset, mate. And I don't, I don't want a fan base, and I don't, don't appreciate a fan base of fucking mouth breathers who can't question decisions. Like, do you want to be Newcastle, who like spent five years blaming Wayne for their problems and backing Brownie in? accepting me- mediocrity because they got told to, being patient and, and realising it's still the same shit anyway. Yeah, and you get five years in and then you start questioning stuff like yeah. they are now with Brownie. Like It's like, no, mate, Seabold, you, you can earn loyalty. Like, I was blindly loyal to Wayne. I didn't question him and, I, and people questioned him more, but Wayne had learnt that, earned that blind loyalty. Yeah, like, if you've coached from 88 to 2008, you win six premierships. Mm-hmm. Like, you were shown when you make calls like dropping... A player like Wally Lewis, and then you win premiership straight after, like stuff like that. Yeah, like once mm-hmm. you be doing stuff like that, if you then go and you bring back Darius Boyd, even if we sitting at the time like, oh, I'm not a fan of that, you're like, well, you know, Wayne gets to make that call, and we'll see how it goes. And obviously, it turned out pretty well for while Wayne was here. Exactly. Then meanwhile, you got Seabold saying, "Oh, the rusted on fans will still be with us." Like, mate, you, you, you know, I don't know. He should have got clipped around the head by from backroom staff after the game for attacking the fans because, yes, we are the most supported club in the league, but the, the the Broncos' brand value took a massive tank when Wayne wasn't there. And, their share, you know, I remember going through this last year that even their share price and their earnings had really, really grown since Wayne came back. And if you take the fans for granted, mate, they will dwindle. It's that simple. Yeah. Yep. Uh, righty, on to Twitter from Eddie and Zed. He said, It has often been said the Broncos don't have rebuilding years. Should this be treated as one? No. It's not a rebuilding year. It's a failure. Yeah, I mean, I also, like, we've talked about how good the squad is. I don't think you really need to, like, rebuild as such. No. We are, we, we're mm. a reloading club, mate. We're not a rebuilding club. Yeah. If you want to rebuild, uh, you can go down the coast. <laughs> Uh, James K underscore thirteen twelve. Can we be hopeful with Din appearing in the squad for the first time? The change is finally on its way. Oh, probably I think too it's late, coming, too late. but it's going to yeah. be too late. Yeah. Uh, from Cruzy zero six. I'm being optimistic this round. Broncos thirteen plus reputation of last year's game at the Shire. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corey Goats. Can you define trying too hard to me? I'm clearly not educated enough to know the proper meaning. Oh man. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> mate. Uh, it, it, at this yeah. point, is he is he just a Wayne sleeper agent? <laughs> I, I'd believe it. I, I mean, it's definitely one of the more plausible theories at this point. Uh, Mister Unscore S Triple Eight, will we be an elite club when we help Gallant equal their loss record this weekend? <sighs> I don't want. I don't know. I don't want to. <laughs> uh, Corey Goats has got here. Is Anthony Seabold just Anthony Griffin reincarnated, but with higher education? Yeah, it feels like it. But I mean, in the end, Griffin at least got results with his terrible football for a while there. <laughs> I think mean, Griffin got uh, the Panthers to the top four. Yeah, I mean, yeah. 
I mean, Griffin Griffin is like the um, John Fox of NRL coaches, which is like he can take you, he can make a good team, sorry, an average team good and a great team good. Yeah, well, that's the um, Neil Henry of the NRL too. Yeah, it he is. does like, that. Yeah, that's it. He can. That's why the Broncos he couldn't take us to the next level, but he could help an average team out. Like that's that's it. He'll probably beat the Knights next, mate. <laughs> oh man, I've already started tweeting that. I'm hope. I'm hopeful. Yes, wish it into existence. Uh, from N Trade A, uh, are you guys doing okay? Do you have the support network you can rely on in this dark time? <laughs> support and Broncos, mate. We got no supports. <laughs> have you seen us on the field? Um, from Matty McP twenty five, he said thoughts, and then there's a screenshot here of oh, it's from a Broncos Facebook crew. He said we've got a feeling Broncos eighteen plus this week against the Sharks. TPJ, Dallas Boyd, I guess Darius Boyd and Milf to all go over. Hopefully, the Anzac spirit will lift the boys to a sixty thousand plus SunCorp. The Anzac spirit, which I know, I know it's throwing through the bloods of half our Islander kids. I know I, you just know it's firing <laughs> up. It's just going to get right into. It speaks right to Davida Pangai and Payne Haas and Milford, They've, and and they all really feeling the Anzac spirit. I know it's coursing through their veins. And also, I like that the the club is expanding the capacity of some of the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> People uh, be hanging off quick, the roof. Sixty thousand. Quick, uh, quick work done in a in a fortnight. <laughs> um. GM Walker, he's got a few points here. He said, did you suffer through the same disappointment as me? One, reads NRL.com headline saying Broncos blooding you half. Two, click on page, scroll down. Three, see did in the number 20. Four, rolls eyes and go back to Game of Thrones fan theories. <laughs> uh, I knew he was getting named, but then like, it was more like I already saw today's, even not even making the 19. I was like, oh, that's good. <laughs> um. Also from GM Walker, he said, which NRL players are you confident Darius Boyd could stop one-on-one in an open field? Obviously, assuming he stops trying so hard and hasn't turned his back to complain to the referee. Okay, well, who's out injured right now? Tamalolo. <laughs> no, he wouldn't no, even stop injured Tamalolo. <laughs> he could one, one foot hop and run over, over Darius Boyd. Uh, who, who, who's just got seriously injured for the season? There's a, uh, Ryan James, you could maybe Ryan take him James, out. Ryan James. Uh, even that, it's a, it's a coin flip. It's a it is a coin flip. I mean, we've got anyone? Oh, maybe maybe Gareth Willip. He's physically smaller and injured. Maybe you could take take him right now. His legs still work though. He's only got a shoulder injury. That is interesting. Oh, no, that that's. I mean, there wouldn't be a fan, but you can still throw a dummy with one hand. So. Yeah, I think the only player he would actually try and go into contact against is Matt Dufty, but Matt Dufty would leave him in the dust. <laughs> He's got too much speed and elusiveness, Matt Dufty. He does. He does. He's gonna he's gonna leave Darius in the dust, mate. Um, from Bone Cone, he said, not a question, but a comment. My wife hates the Broncos and loves Game of Thrones, so she's loving the podcast. She's asking me every day if the latest Broncos podcast is out yet. <laughs> Love your wife, mate. Send, us, send, us, send, us, send her our regards, sorry. Uh, from Matty McP25 again, he said, what hurts more, losing Ben Hunt or losing Corey Norman? Neither. Oh, yeah. I never gave a shit about Norman, ever. I still don't. He hasn't been good at the, at the Dragons. Just He's quick two field goals. He done nothing else. Um, I mean, I don't really care about Ben Hunt, but that one definitely hurts more than Corey Norman. Yeah, because, Norman doesn't hurt at like, all. One hurts more than zero. So yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like um, it's like when people say they could care less rather than couldn't care less. Oh, that <laughs> is like that is like number one hate in the whole world is people that stuff that up. Yeah, I couldn't um, care less about Corey Norman. I could care less about Ben Hunt. <laughs> 
Uh, Danny Boy, 1995. Must win game this week, and I think the boys will get the job done. More importantly, though, who lives and who dies in the battle for Winterfell? We'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, we already had Seabold knife the King of the North in Wayne Bennett. <laughs> uh, Darius Hamstrings is the old what is dead may never die, so he can't get those back. I don't know. The old Broncos of Thrones, mate. Most of these are just questions about our spine which I'm sick of asking about um, do I captain Fifi in my super coach side against the Broncos to soften the blow of another loss and vision of Boyd throwing his arms up in the air while standing six inches from a Sharks try scorer mate well again, for Fifi is going to get some offloads away I tell you that much but oh, thank god they've got Josh Dugan on the other side Dugan versus Boyd could be a real clash if they get hit each other in the open field they might both shatter into tiny little pieces <laughs> Um, that one was from 12 Shock. Sorry, I didn't mention yeah. that. And lastly, here from Eros Romero 5. <laughs> Currently at Broncos training, playing music is effing stupid. Backstreet Boys, <laughs> really? <laughs> Mate, I, I am really enjoying all those stupid pre things being proven just that. As if, like, Seabold invented playing music at the gym. <laughs> and then training with a soapy ball. <laughs> like, oh, thank God that's all stopped. Uh, yeah, that's everything. That is, okay. Let's move on to the favourite part of the week then, for me and you at least. It's Game of Thrones Weekly. Something Kick I can it. actually smile about. Have you got a lot of notes, mate? Have you taken a, an A4 page of them again? Nah, I have a few less notes, but... Yeah, I just got slack this week. One week in, I get slack, so, you know. Yeah. Okay, my favourite theory so, of this episode, by the way, I'll just start... I'll cut you off straight away, my bad, but my favourite theory at the start is, like, you know how Arya ends up sleeping with Gendry? Yeah. My favourite theory is that she visited the hound first because she wanted to fuck the hound. Yeah. <laughs> the other guy ruined got, it. <laughs> yeah, he definitely cock-blocked her. She goes up there to find the hound. She wants a but, big man. <laughs> all right. I reckon the hound in that scene, though, had probably my favourite line in all of Game of Thrones, where he's like, why would the Lord of Light bring you back 19 times for me to just chuck you off this effing wall? Yeah, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> what a line. He's actually good. he's had a lot of great lines over the season. The series, One of the best. Sorry. One of the yeah. best. Um, well, I just there was also we talked about similarities between like episode one and episode one last week, but even this week again, you've got like Gendry is was always the one that people say was like most like Rob Baratheon, and then Aya is the one that supposedly looks like Lyanna, and then those like because Rob wanted to be with Lyanna way way back, and then these two then are getting together, and it's like man, it's just. Everything is just a similarity, like a throwback to like a previous generation in Game of Thrones at the moment. Yeah, I mean, they've definitely. Like, I still enjoy the show, but they've definitely like. You can tell it's TV writers now as well that it's not George R R Martin. I tell you that much. Like, yeah, they they definitely foreshadow way too many things now. Oh, like there's like 18 people where they're like somebody will say to another person like a key player, and they're like, oh. I'll see you after the battle. I'll definitely see you after the yeah. battle. And it's like, yeah, well, they're dead, they're dead, they're dead, they're dead. And then like, the one saying, well, we're going to die this fight. There's like Tyrion, like, like, we're definitely dead. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, he'll probably live. And then it's like, what was the... um? I forget the guy's name. The... One of the faceless men, but the main guy. Yeah, yeah, uh, um, Dario Naharis? No, 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 no. no the... I don't even think it's the faceless man. I think I've got the wrong name there. But he was yeah. with Missandra, and they're like, oh, oh you know, the, after this, the we'll Grey go... Worm. Yeah, Grey Worm, that's it. And he's yeah. like, after this, we'll go back to, like, uh, Marsha or whatever, and we'll have a nice family. He's like, nah, you're both dying. Like, you're <laughs> not making it out of this fight. And no, then reckon, everyone's like... Yeah. He might make it out, like, she won't. 
uh, maybe and then everyone's yeah. like oh we'll go to the crypts the crypts are the safe place and it's like oh, okay so like the king of all raising undead back to life and like making them into warriors yeah let's go hide in the middle of all the dead people yeah and they've shown the crypts like a million times you know something's happening there and then the whole thing like I is asking for a weapon you're going to keep foreshadowing that each yeah. oh, are you going to do something with a weapon oh wow can she fight like that's it they wouldn't have done this in previous episodes like when the red wedding happened you didn't know it was going to happen whereas they probably if it was coming now there'd be, there'd be like 10 episodes before it saying like are you are you are you going to get bring arrows to the uh, bring, bring a weapon to the wedding are you gonna, are you coming packed They'd literally have the planning meeting two episodes before the wedding. Like they would. They'd, they'd be all the planning of what's going to happen. They would be, and even now, like they're just obviously showing that Daenerys and John are going to fight. <laughs> like right before the big fight, they're showing that Danny and John live through it, and then Danny and John are going to fight each other. You know, like credit to the Starks because they're very honest people, but they have the worst timing. Like they do. Everything they say is just at the worst possible time. Like, he's Ned Stark back when he was in King's Landing, and he's, like, just brutally honest to Cersei, and it was like, yeah, it got him killed. Good on you, mate. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. It's just, it's classic like that, aren't they? The Starks, great with their timing, mate. I um, it, it, At least Bran is somewhat interesting now, because I've always hated Bran, but at least he does, he's almost interesting now. Yeah, I mean, I think Tyrion's, like, the only person that's realised who he actually is. Like... Yeah, even though he's he telling like, people, they don't seem to get what he what he's saying. He yeah, is. he's literally like, "I'm the three eyed raven. I know everything there ever is." And everyone's like, "Okay, yeah, you just keep sitting there in the corner, mate." Yeah, like, everyone's like, a short champ." Okay, mate. <laughs> yeah. These bloody teenagers, they know everything these days. Like, <laughs> yeah, good, are, good one, mate. And <laughs> good Tyrion good actually went and had a chat with him. So, like, yeah. I think that'll play a lot into convincing Tyrion that, uh, uh, sorry, convincing Danny that John's real. Yeah. Um. But have you also noticed too? No one's preparing for like a dragon attack around Winterfell. No, <laughs> like but they know they have a dragon. Like Danny knows what's happened. Um, Brand's told them all they have a dragon. Like they know there's a dragon there, and they're just like, "Nah, we're just gonna like prepare for infantrymen." Yeah, uh, it's weird. And well, I did find it weird though. Like the end of the last episode, they didn't show the Night King. So I'm now also thinking, is there a chance the Night King isn't at Winterfell and he's just gotten that dragon and he's just going to go take down King's Landing on his own? Yeah, that's definitely I think one of the main theories at the moment, especially when Bran had that vision of the throne room in King's Landing and like the dragon shadow above it. Yeah. If you remember that, and yeah. everyone just assumed it was like Danny on her dragon. But that is also... It's the only one that hasn't come... Like, actually happened and been true. Like, that vision so far. So, I could definitely see the Night King just on his dragon down to King's Landing. And there's, like, you know, bugger all people down there that can fight. Yeah. I mean, a dragon could take out a city pretty easily. Like, how are you going to stop a dragon? You just <laughs> fly, fly above everything and breathe death. Like, yeah. you know, you can't stop that. Yeah, exactly right. I agree with you there. So maybe he might go down there. Who knows? And I also have the feeling now, because I have the feeling that Tyrion's going to actually turn on everybody and do something for Cersei. He mentioned he missed his father in this one. I wish father was here. And then he's also like kind of lied about saying Cersei's going to send her guards and send an army and stuff. I kind of feel like he's going to do like the ultimate heel turn. Nah, I don't see that happening. He always hated Cersei, and Cersei always hated him. Like, I know, that's... I know. He always hated his father. He might be coming down with a blaze of glory for the Lannister family right at the end, mate. He might turn. Like, I know he there. said that about, I wish his dad was here, but like, yeah. 
he did like he's like oh he's like how much his dad would hate that the two of them were de- there defending Winterfell. Like oh, you can I just know. see the funny side in the situation. Mate, but there's some truth to every joke, don't they say? <laughs> yeah, I, I just don't see that one happening. Yeah, I, don't know. I thought I thought I'd out there, but um, also I'm just not. I don't hate the Theon Greyjoy redemption. How everyone likes him now. I've always hated him. I hated him at the start. I hated him when he turned him, and I hate him still now. Just die already. Yeah, it's it's very much the Darius Boyd of Game of Thrones. Like, mate, just get out of here. Just, just get go, out of here. Go somewhere else. But yeah, but, um, but Tormund, mate, there's there's a great player. <laughs> oh, mate, that that whole scene around the fireplace is yeah. was just a crack up. Like, Tormund is amazing. Just yeah, yeah, he just he nails that character. That it, was one of the first first scenes in a while that felt like old Game of Thrones. Like just sitting around and talking, good shit. <laughs> Yeah, and he's just like, they call you Kingslayer. You want to know where they call me? Giant's Bane. <laughs> he's like, oh, man. Just, oh, yeah. I just sucked a giant's tit. <laughs> <laughs> man, he's, yeah, he's great. He's one of my favourites for sure. But he'll die. All of them yeah. are going to die. <laughs> oh, but we're well, quickly got to cut in. I just got sent the greatest tweet of all time, potentially. So this is from at Surge Buster. He says, if Latrell Mitchell was an 80s rapper, his name would be Kid Be Lazy. So kid be lazy. If he was a nineties rapper, he'd be Lil Effort. <laughs> in, in the thousands, if you notice, fifty percent. And then this decade, he'd be known as Lazy Latrell, featuring occasional hit up. <laughs> this is the greatest tweet of all time. It's not even Budu. Uh, I mean, usually those do come from Budu. They do. Um, usually, like funny name changes too is all Budu like I'll see some like some name I've never seen before is like my tweet and it's like oh that's probably going to be Budu and it's like click on it's like oh yeah this is a pun and it's Budu <laughs> yeah yeah it's great anyway we'll go back to Game of Thrones I just, had to, I got, just got sent that DM that I had to share it that was great <laughs> uh, we got to see Ghost came back so the dogs are back yeah no that was nice good to see that he hasn't been forgotten I mean I yeah, guess they used all their CGI budget up last time on the dragon riding scene that everyone loved yeah, and they don't you don't see that in this episode. But yeah, now I feel like what next episode is going to get like what two episodes of fighting now? Yeah, I think we, we talked about this last one where I said oh I thought it would be like maybe a set a episode and a half kind of the fighting or whatever. But yeah, I think this was just like all the lead up and then yeah the whole episode next one I think it would be all fight in Winterfell. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And then no. I don't know who's going to live. I feel like. They'd probably kill off like guys like uh, Tormund, uh, Brienne, uh, Missandei, or whatever. Ones that you think that feel important, but they're not actually important. Theon, I think those people will die. I still think after this battle, we'll still have like Jon Snow, Daenerys, Tyrion, Jaime, Sansa, Arya, Cersei. Oh, yeah, I definitely think anybody actually important. No one, like the last actually important person to die was probably Joffrey. Like, yep. and how many years ago was that? Like, Game of Thrones came out very strong at the start, and this is not just the show, this is also the books, like, killing important people, and the whole thing was like, oh, you know, no one's safe, who knows what's going to happen, but it's like, when you look back, it was just very much a first impressions of that, and it's not quite happened the same way since, like, no one really dies anymore. Yeah, they don't, and it's, I think the books, I think it will be different when he finally writes them. I think yeah. they'll definitely be very different in that regard, but right now he said nobody important seems to die anymore, and some of them just seem to flounder away as well. Like they, it's like why is um, Viserys still alive? Yeah, 
it's like you know what in the you know what something like little finger that killed him eventually was like that guy could have died any season he could have died and it wouldn't have made a difference you know it's like a lot of these guys like why are these guys these guys are still alive like Masande uh, Tormon Brian uh, they're alive just to die at this battle <laughs> that's that's why they're still alive I think um I think it'll be this battle. It, yeah, I could just see it very much going like White Walker's winning. White Walker's about to like kill everyone, and then Malisa- is it Melisandre, the Red Priestess. Yeah, yeah, she'll oh, show be back up. too. Yeah, she'll show up with like an army of Red Priests and stuff, and like fire magic and everything, and yeah, she'll be, be very like mo- a Gandalf coming over the hill. Yeah, that was, the- that was going to be my like the Riders of Rohan. Yeah, I think it'll be very much like that scene. Uh, obviously, like I don't know, so don't get up me if like that's a spoiler yeah, because I don't, I haven't seen it yet. Well, she did, she did say because she, when she went away last, she said she'd die on Westeros, so she is coming back. We know that she's going to come back and die there. Yeah, and use yeah, some of her her power. Happen. Yeah, and that'll be it. Then she'll die because we know she's dying, and then yeah, we'll be left with the same like six important characters for whatever happens in the long run. Yeah. And then I hope Cersei dies. That's what I'd love. Yeah, I, I'm almost like I told you. I'm like I'm at Team Chaos at this point. I don't really want any of them to win. So like I'm I'm fine with Cersei winning. <laughs> There's that whole isn't there that old old prophecy? I don't even know. It's, we've hit, I don't even know fans know if it's true anymore. But the prophecy that Jamie kills Cersei isn't that um, one of them? One sec. This is like riveting podcast too, by the it way. It is. Oh, I didn't know if you were doing one second. You're going you're you're to cut out this period or something. <laughs> That's no, why no, I went quiet. <laughs> way, way too lazy for that. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, anyway, I could have kept talking through it. But yeah, um, isn't it? Isn't that the prophecy? I mean, doesn't mean that Jamie actually kills her. It could mean that Arya wears Jamie's face and kills Cersei. But I feel like that was an old prophecy that yeah, somebody could, saw Jamie kills her. It could very much be the Arya things. Yeah, Maggie the Frog... Um, Cersei, I'm promised to the prince. When will we marry? Maggie, never. You you will wed the king. Yeah. Will I be the queen? Oh, yes, you'll be the queen for a time. And then comes another younger and more beautiful that will cast you down and take all that you hold dear. Well, that was... Yeah, yeah so no, it, doesn't come, really, yeah. it doesn't really say much there. Yeah, I don't know. Well, anyway, I think that's a f- that was an old theory. I might be way off by saying that too, but I, th- I thought that was a thing. Maybe not. But I st- I'm still... My, my, my favourite thing, I'm still cheering for the, the, the long upset of Tyrion Cersei... Cersei uh, incestry. That's what I want, mate. <laughs> the the heel turn from Tyrion, and then she, the, and they have like hate sex or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that's. I don't think you're gonna get your wish here. But, you know. I <laughs> I, where'd, where'd you fall on the uh, Arya Stark sex scene? I know that's been a bit controversial. Uh, I mean, I don't really care. Like, Neither. there's been lots of sex scenes in this show, so whatever. Like, People acted like she's still like twelve. Like Ma- Maisie Williams is, she's twenty-two, and I did laugh at you. Yeah, that mean we did look that up, yeah. Yeah, that Maisie Williams age, like the spike in Google searches that day was like through the roof. Uh, she's twenty-two, and I think Arya by that point is also supposed to be eighteen in the books. If it's the books, I think she's supposed to be eighteen by this point. But also, if you're getting the series, it had like we've seen rape, we've seen incest. Would we be shocked by underage sex? Yeah, I, no. 
No, <laughs> people were. It was like the first sex scene we've seen in a while, or something I guess, and people were just shocked by it all of a sudden. Like the first, her first, first three seasons was pretty much sex scenes with nothing else. <laughs> um, sorry, going back, yeah. So there was that Maggie predicted that she would uh, her murder at the hands of the Valen car, which is translated to little brother. There you go. That could be Tyrion. That, that uh, could be Tyrion. Yeah. Well, she. Did Cersei think it was Tyrion, but it could mean Jamie? Yeah, but I think Jamie's older, isn't he? Yes, but it could be her younger brother, not the youngest brother. Is she younger than Jamie? Or is Jamie no, older I think, than Cersei? I think Jamie's older than her. Ah, okay, I'm all wrong. And because that's, yeah, she thought it was Tyrion, that's why she was like. Oh, wait, him no, Cersei and Jamie are twins, aren't they? Now I've got to look up who is oldest. Uh-huh. Yeah, so he, so he could be the younger brother by you know by the matter of minutes or hours, or whatever it takes to pop a second one out. I'm no expert on twin childbirth, <laughs> but um, so that could well, mean one has if to he, come he, out before the other. Yeah, I know, yeah. but Cer- Cer- Cersei was born first. So there you go. So he could be the younger brother. Oh man, that that would be some juicy stuff. There we go. There we go. Can we bet on this now? By the way, the odds of everything we want, like the the betting odds on Jon Snow winning, came in heaps. Of course they did. Yeah, you, you nailed it, mate. But, uh, but yeah, the, it's, it is interesting. There is like, um, I think there also is like the Night King of Stark has really come in short odds. Did we talk about that last week? I, I can't remember if we just like had that article in the group chat yeah, about, about it. it. No, I think you sent that article after. But yeah, that's, it's the the rumor is now. Well, not rumor. It's, it's always seemed like it's going that way. But the Night King is a Stark. I mean, we talked talk about last week that we think it's Bran Stark, but. Even if it's not him, it's like it must be another Stark. Yeah, someone. one of the ancestors. Like, there's honestly, if you kind of look through it, there's like three or four Starks that it could be. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I'd be pretty sure it's one of the Starks. It has to be. It has to be. Anyway, you got any more in the Game of Thrones weekly notes before we get out of here? Ah, <laughs> uh, no, nah, I'm all all out. I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, I think we're going to be firing them off next week. This week was a good episode. It didn't really bring much more discussion points up, though. I thought it was a good episode because it just had a lot of that banter we've been missing for a while and a lot of the telling us who's going to die. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, I think, that obviously, next two weeks will be a lot more discussion points. And I'm hoping there's more twists coming in the show because it's been so good at that, but it just feels like it's been foreshadowed. And as you said, no one important has died for a long time. It feels like it's foreshadowed. It feels like, ah, oh, you've got a weapon built to kill the Night King. You know, that's just oh. so obvious. And Bran's going to draw yeah. him out, obviously, like... It's either the Night King or, like, the dragon. She's killing one of those two. Yeah, like, she got a spear, but she never used, like, a speary thing like that in a fight before. She used it in that training stuff with that other girl, but, like... And it's like, oh, what a coincidence. She's, like, now got a weapon that looks identical to the one that the Night King used to, like, spear the dragon originally. Yeah. So... And, like, what? She's going to get this weapon, and we dedicate, like, eight minutes over two episodes to give her this weapon for her to go just, like, kill, like, three zombies out in the field? Like, no, nah, that's not happening. Like... Yeah. She's yeah, killing, but, yeah, the Night King. Yeah, but that's the problem with this this show, the, with the current writing. Is it just so obvious? Did that two? It was like you said. It was like two major scenes of episodes that she was getting that weapon made. Yeah. Oh well. Anyway, let's go get cool. out of here and go watch the storm obliterate the warriors. Warriors are playing Toe Harris at halfback. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> probably better than they the Karima. St- I was going to say they. St- Still don't have the worst halfback in the well, comp. Yeah. But. I'm big on Tohu, but they have also got Blake Aishud and um, Blake Aishud and then another guy on debut, uh, Patrick Herbert, in the centres. So they're, they're well and truly going to get dusted at Amy Park. Is so, Jared Beal still over that way? 
thing is, he's playing on the wing for Fusatua. So they're missing Tuivasa Shek, Solomon Ricardo, and Fusatua, and um, Blake Green. So the reshuffle has got Peter Hickel at fullback. The centres are Ashwood and Herbert. The wings got you got Jared Bill on a wing, and then they've got Sohu Harris at halfback. So they're they're well and truly in crisis, and I might enjoy someone else getting dusted. It's not us for once, <laughs> mate. Are you, are you sure like McFadden's not coaching this week with all the safe white guys around that side? <laughs> they might be, mate. Would you take uh, Kearney back over over Sebes? There's a big. I, one. I would. I would literally take. I would take Anthony Griffin back over Sebes. I don't even care at this point. I'd take anybody <laughs> except for like Henjack. There you go. Oh God, we're in a dark spot. <laughs> <laughs> and Nathan Brown. I wouldn't oh, take yeah. Nathan Brown. No, he's a fraud. Or Trent Barrett. Yeah, or another massive fraud. Good-looking fraud, though. Maybe we can do it for the oh, looks. Oh, he is a good-looking <laughs> good looking man. Yeah. Okay, uh, anyway, let's get out of here, then, mate. We'll talk to you all right next on. week after impending doom, both on Game of Thrones and, uh, <laughs> and the Broncos. <laughs> I see ya. That's the way it's gonna be.